Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Everybody and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money, joined here by House MD and certain the creepy soccer dad. And this week here on Finsider Radio, we are going to preview the tight end position in the upcoming NFL draft. If you listened to our show last week, over three thousand listeners in the off season, you know it is draft season when the listeners start picking up. And as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft, that's when the activity starts coming back there after a slow few weeks. I would even say a few weeks after a slow week or two after free agency died down the initial wave. We got the draft and then it slows down a little more. And then we pick up with OTAs and mini camps and then training camp. And then it's full go into the NFL season. And when you think about it, it's going to be here quicker than you know it. Although the MLB had opening day yesterday on a Thursday and continuing day two today, I have right now in, in my basement recording this podcast. No, it is not my parents' basement. It is my own house. I have five baseball games going on right now on all of my TVs. Uh, it's good to have baseball back, good to kill the downtime until football comes back. But nonetheless, we still have the draft to worry about, which is hugely important, as everybody knows. And last week, like I said, if you had listened to us, you would have heard us talk about the linebackers in the draft. And we talked about Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds and Leighton Vander Esch. And then we talked about mid-round guys, guys like Shaquem Griffin. Guys whom the Dolphins might be targeting. And we're going to do the same thing today. You have Dallas Goldert from South Dakota State. You have Mark Andrews from Oklahoma and Hayden Hurst from South Carolina. But yes, some people also might say that Mike Jasicki from Penn State is right up there with those three. We are going to touch on all those three players. Plus, we're going to touch on Jasicki in addition to Chris Herndon from Miami and Troy Fumagalli. From Wisconsin, those are the six tight ends we're focusing tonight on Finsider Radio. And as we get closer and closer to the draft, we'll pick a few players and we'll highlight them in more detail in terms of, all right, who are the Dolphins targeting? If we really think they're going to go after the tight end position, we'll start bringing some more players into the mix and talking about them. Based on past experience in terms of getting information, it seems as if the week or so before the draft, the truth starts coming out a little bit. I remember last year and the year before, I had real solid names of who the Dolphins were targeting. Of course, two years ago with Laramie Tunsil falling, nobody expected that. But the Dolphins were looking at Ezekiel Elliott, who didn't get past the Cowboys very early on. They were looking at William Jackson. They were looking at Miles Jack, who they obviously passed up on for Tunsil. But those names came about. 
they also were targeting Eli Apple, who were taken by the Giants right before the Dolphins were ready to pick. So for, for the Dolphins and for other teams around the league, that's when people who are connected and into the team know, not know, but start to know a little more as the teams finalize their boards and as they head into the few days leading up to the draft and then into draft night itself. Enough talking from me about all of our stuff coming up. We're going to get right into the action, and we're going to call first upon Sutton the Creepy Soccer Dad, who's going to give us a highlight of Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. Sutton, tell us why you think Mark Andrews would be the best choice for the Dolphins for when they pick a tight end in this draft. Got a chance to watch him play a couple of times this year. Got to watch him play pretty well against Ohio State. Uh, He is a productive player. He was a prime target for Baker Mayfield. And I think Adam Gase has really been looking for a tight end that's going to help take this offense to the next level. And we've had some failed experiments in Jordan Cameron uh, in 2016. And then, of course, with Julius Thomas last year. So we're looking for that missing piece in this offense so we can spread this ball around. And I really think Mark Andrews is going to be the best out of these top three that we're going to be talking about tonight. You look at the way he's built, he's just, he's built like a tight end and he has, he's very athletic for how thickly he's built. So it makes it, it makes it really hard to bring him down in the open field. He can be elusive too. So he has some, he has functional speed. I wouldn't say he's the same threat. Now let's take a look at last year's tight end group. We're not going to have three first rounders this year. We're not going to have the OJ Howard's, the Evan Ingram's and the David Joku's. There's not the size speed guys this year compared to last year, but Mark Andrews did make several plays down the field for Baker Mayfield and the Oklahoma offense this year. And just pr- productive overall. He made big plays in big games. He uses his body well to shield off defenders too. So he runs routes with nuance. He knows to come back to the ball and use his big body, his big wide body to uh, shield his defenders and, and move the chains. Now, one of the drawbacks here, and you're going to s- hear this drawback about several Titans coming out of college. And that's just, the way it's just the nature of the beast now is for tight ends to be behind and blocking. And the Oklahoma offense just simply didn't ask him to block in line that often. He was spread out a fair amount. So he wasn't asked to do the inline blocking. So you're not going to see good tape in that department. Uh, I think that would be a work in progress. I think he would need to come in and be seen more of a, a pass catching tight end, a, a red zone guy. I think the Dolphins offense, that might be one of the bigger weaknesses right now as the roster is constructed as of this recording is some of the red zone targets. And I think Mark Andrews would help us immensely in that department. And then of course, helping uh, with the tutelage of the to- coaching staff to, to get the blocking to where we need to be. So he can be a true a dual threat that would just open up so many possibilities for the offense. Now you touched on it, son, when you said that you don't think there's going to be a run on tight ends in the early first round. I agree with you. Many are talking that possibly may have a team that comes up in the late first round who picks a tight end as maybe it's their best player available on the board. But we also know this and just look at the past history of first round tight ends. Look at Eric Ebron, and of course, Eric Ebron got released by the Detroit Lions recently. Never lived up to his hype 
that was coming out of college. I think he was drafted 10th, 11th, or 12th overall. And then you look at a guy, you mentioned it, O.J. Howard. He didn't make a huge impact the last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, when you look at why, it's because when you get into the NFL coming from college, the college tight end is more of a reception guy, more of a possession uh, position in terms of you're going out for the route, we're going to throw you the uh, football, and then you're going to make a play with it. When you get to the NFL, it's you got to worry about blocking, you got to worry about different protections, different schemes, and so forth. Evan Ingram, drafted by the Giants last year. I thought he had a better year than Howard. Uh, and Ingram made made an impact, was doing very well till he got hurt towards the end of the year. You look at David Njoku from Miami. Three of those guys, all three were drafted in the first round. He had an okay uh, season. He was with Cleveland, of course. So you have to take that with, with a grain of salt and what it is. But even him, you know, getting used to the NFL and trying to get there. When you look at the 2016 draft, not one tight end was selected in the first round. The first one off the board was Hunter Henry, who we saw really start breaking out this season, although he is an Antonio Gates' shadow, but even towards the end of the 2016 season, uh, he, he started getting his, his feet under his legs. So again, another guy who took over half the year to start making an impact. You go down through that 2016 list, Austin Hooper, Nick Vanett, Tyler Higby, Tameric Hemingway, Jarrell Adams, David Morgan, Rico Gathers, Bale Sandland, Bo Sandland. <laughs> you don't even know those guys. Austin Hooper is the only exception. 2015, again, not one tight end drafted in the first round. First tight end of the board was Max Williams, who went to the Minnesota Vikings. Ironically enough, Clive Walford was the second tight end taken off the board in round three. He, of course, just got released by the Oakland Raiders, and many are calling for Miami to uh, look at him and kick his tires. We go to 2014, Eric Ebron. He was drafted number 10 overall, first round. Cut by the Lions recently. Austin Safarian Jenkins drafted in round two. You look at those other guys on that list. Jason Morrow, Troy Nicholas, CJ Fedowitz, Richard Rogers, Crockett Gilmore, Arthur Lynch drafted by the Dolphins. <laughs> Again, a slew of tight ends who just didn't make it. 2013 was a great draft for tight ends. Tyler Eifert, first tight end off the board, followed by Zach Ertz in the second round. Gavin Escobar, Vance McDonald, Travis Kelsey, Jordan Reed, Deion Sims, Luke Wilson, Michael Rivera, Levine Toyola. That was a great class right there. But the basic history and basic trends suggest, as you said, Sutton, you're not going to get a tight end in the first round, more than likely, unless there's some elite talent. And part of the reason why is because they're not going to contribute right away in terms of being that impact player that the team's picking early on in the draft need. Now, Houts, you're talking about Hayden Hurst from South Carolina. One, why do you think that's a good fit for Miami? And two, where do you see him coming off the board in the overall draft? Yeah, I think you both made some good points. Uh, tight end is a huge need for the Dolphins. I think we are all tired of seeing Julius Thomas a few years ago, Jordan Cameron. I mean, the tight end position has been a huge question mark for several years. And then you touched on some of those rookies that didn't quite make an impact last season. I mean, you got a guy like O.J. Howard. Many thought he was the best tight end prospect. And a guy like Cameron Braid just kind of overshadowed him down there in Tampa. The whole team struggled, but at the end of the day, O.J. Howard didn't quite have the same impact as a guy like you mentioned, Evan Ingram, who just was a monster in New York. But for Miami, for me, I think Hayden Hurst might be the best overall tight end prospect in this draft. The biggest concern for me is his age, which is 25 years old. I think he was a former baseball player, and 
it's it's just one of those guys who, in my opinion, he's just that huge red zone target, the guy that can can create mismatches on the outside, but at the same time he can make an impact in the running game. And I'm not quite sure where Hayden Hurst may get drafted. I'm thinking he's somewhere along the second round. But at the end of the day, I think he's the complete overall tight end this team needs. Uh, we got to kind of remember Marquise Gray. I, I think he's underrated. A guy who has made plays. I know he only had 10 yards on one catch last season, but I think Marquise Gray kind of gets a short end of the stick and is a guy that Miami should continue to use. But this team desperately needs a tight end. I'm a huge fan of Mark Andrews. Watched him a lot when I saw Baker Mayfield play and, and watched tape on him. But Hayden Hurst, I mean, I think he's the most NFL-ready tight end. Obviously, 25 years old at the start of the seasons. Uh, that's definitely a negative, but you get a guy like him and come in there and make an impact right away. can be that seam threat. can be that guy you can split out wide and create mismatches on the outside. Uh, I think he's a complete overall player. I think he's going to go in the second round, early second round. And, again, last season there might have been a lot of better tight end prospects, a lot more guys who can come in there and have that superstar potential and make an impact right away. But this, this tight end class is, from top to bottom, one of the better classes we've seen in a while. So, for me – uh, Hayden Hurst, the Red Rocket out of South Carolina. That's that's the guy I'd like to see the Miami Dolphins draft. All right, you did throw in that Red Rocket there. Uh, I'm not going to beep that out, but there you go. Hayden Hurst, the Red Rocket for House's description there. And it, when you look at their college tape last year, according to Pro Football Focus, who obviously all those grades come with a disclaimer that they don't know exactly what's going on. But for what it's worth, Hayden Hurst was a, a 79 overall grade from pro football focus for his game last year. Uh, Mark Andrews at an 88 and Dallas Golder at a 96. And that's who I'm going to talk about is I think that is the best option for Miami in terms of getting their impact tight end early on in the draft. And if the dolphins do want to get Golder, they're going to have to, they're going to have to take him at the top of round two when they pick at number 11, 11 overall in the second round. But if they do miss out on Golder, remember you got Andrews and you got Hurston. We're going to talk about him in just a little bit, but Mike Jasicki from Penn State, he's also another option who is right up there with those guys as well. But let me go into Goldert for everyone else. He's from South Dakota State. And, of course, Andrews from Oklahoma and Hurst from South Carolina. When you look at South Dakota State, right, I mean, who thinks of South Dakota State as a football powerhouse? Nobody. But when you really – take a, a bigger look at the entire package. And you might say, well, Carson Wentz came from a small school, ironically enough, North Dakota state, uh, right to the neighbor there. But when you look at, you know, tight ends coming into the NFL, like I just explained, it's, it's a very, very rough transition. Regardless though, Goldert possesses pretty much everything you're looking for in a prototypical tight end. He is six, four, 260 pounds. He is, great at, at running roots. He does need to clean up a little bit at the top of his roots. It, it's a little choppy when he, when he cuts and breaks, but hopefully, you know, with, with some good coaching that can be worked out. But overall with his root running, it's very good. And the quarterback always knows what he's doing. When you talk about his hands, his hand diameter, 10.13 inches. Some say he has the best hands of any skill player not only in this draft, but the past few drafts. Tremendous ability to just reach and grab the ball. When you think of Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, those guys, is Goldert like that? No, he's not going to make these acrobatic catches. When you think of guys like Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey who make those great catches, those big tight ends running down the seam and running on the outs, 
and on the breaks, and they pull in these balls that you don't expect them to pull in, that's Golder. Another guy is Greg Olson, who is just like that. Here's the best part about Golder. He can be your chess piece. He can be flexed in the red zone, your big red zone target. That's your guy. He's played in the slot. He has been moved around on the backfield. Adam Gase, everyone calls him an offensive genius, and I know people are doubting it and everything else. But we saw what he can do in terms of maximizing the potential out of every player. I mean, look at Jay Ajayi. Gets him out of town, Kenyon Drake steps up. Jakeem Grant showed flashes. Kenny Stills had his best season, one of his best seasons under Ryan Tannehill when Ryan Tannehill was healthy. We see what Adam Gase can do with the proper weapons and with the right kind of protection on the offensive line. Goldert's going to win a lot of his matchups. When a linebacker is trying to cover him, Goldert's going to push him around and break away. He's very competitive, very tough. He will run you over. All right, don't try to tackle Goldert. Again, people you know, describe Rob Gronkowski as this big barreling tight end. Well, guess what? Dallas Goldert can be someone similar. You look up get Dallas Goldert on Google, the first picture that shows up, is him basically just destroying two defenders at once, just pushing them down to the ground. It's absolutely insane. Goldert, like I said, 96th grade from Pro Football Focus last season. Now, when you talk about tight ends and blocking and everything else, okay, he needs some work on that. But every tight end is going to need to work on that when they come into the NFL. Goldert does not have a long injury history. He has great leadership as far as what people have written about him. Obviously, I don't know him personally, but from what people have written about him, he's very good in terms of getting guys to buy in with him and getting guys to follow him in everything that he's doing. According to Pro Football Focus, last season he forced 12 missed tackles after the catch. That was tied for first in the entire nation for tight ends. He averaged 8.2 yards after the catch per reception. And he does have the speed, like I said, to be that threat. Whether you want to put him in a slot in the backfield, be that vertical threat, be that guy coming across the middle. He has great body control. He is going to make those catches. Because out of 76 catchable targets last season, he only dropped five. Again, like I just mentioned, blocking needs some work. He's not going to be an all-pro in the run game. That's just not him, which is why it might make sense for the Dolphins to ask Anthony Fasano to come back because Fasano is a a, a good blocker and he could teach Goldert a few things. Goldert's going to be, I would say, 95% the first tight end off off the board. He might go in the late first round. Like I said, I know I said at the beginning when I first started talking that he was going to go maybe fall to 11 in round two. But when you have a guy like this, who people see how tight ends can change the game when you have a dominant one, he might go in the bottom first. But as we all like to say, we'll see how it plays out. There are other mid-round targets that are out there as well that the Dolphins don't land their guy. And you just heard me make the case for Golder, who I think is the best. Uh, Sutton made the case for Mark Andrews as to why the Dolphins should pick him over anybody else and how with Hayden Hurst as to why he should be the pick over everybody else. But Houts, we've said his name a few times already, Mike Jaziki from Penn State. 
if the Dolphins miss out on Hurst, Andrews, or Goldert, and I'm assuming that you'd be good with the Dolphins picking Goldert or Andrews if they don't pick Hurst. Let's say they miss on Hurst because Hurst is your first choice. Let's say they miss on Hurst and, and Andrews and Goldert is your second choice or third choice. But let's see all three of us off the board and Jasicki comes up. That's your next choice. So why? Make the case for Mike Jasicki. Well, for me, I'm not quite sure that Hayden Hurst will be my first choice. I, I do like Mark Andrews a lot, but I think Hayden Hurst may be the most NFL-ready. But besides from that, Mike Jasicki, I mean, what he did at the Combine, I know that's just a, a sample of what's to come. But, I mean, he just completely tore the shit out of that, and he just he, – he, he was a monster. I mean, his broad jump, 129 inches – 41-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, 40-yard dash, 4.54. I mean, it just goes on and on. He just completely annihilated the draft and looked like an elite tight end as far as his measurables and all that's concerned. But at the end of the day, I mean, the biggest knock on Jusecki is that he's not very good at blocking. I mean, that's something that we've seen from Dolphins tight ends for some time. I mean, overall, they've just been pretty poor. But uh, you, you'd like to see a tight end that can block, and, and that's part of Jacecki's game that just needs some tweaking. But at the end of the day, he's a huge red zone target. He's a big guy. He might be the, the best receiver in this class. So for me, I mean, if the Dolphins miss out on a Hayden Hurst, Dallas, Dallas Goddard, uh, Mark Andrews, I mean, let's be honest, we will take any tight end in Miami. This This team is in desperate need of a tight end. Julius Thomas was a waste of space, a waste of money. Adam Gase thought he could resurrect his career, and he he proved that he could not. Uh, this team is in desperate need of a tight end that can just spread the defense out, can do something in the middle of the field. And Jacecki, I mean, he's a huge target, 6'5", six, six, 247 pounds, 82 and one-eighth wingspan. I mean, this guy's a monster. And uh, being from Pennsylvania, I, I've seen a lot of Penn State games. That's kind of the the team around here, and – it would just be nice to see him in a Dolphins jersey. I think the impact he could have, I, I don't really want to say he's Rob Gronkowski, but, I mean, he's up there as far as a guy that can just go up there and body defenders, use his big, big frame to shield off and, and just make those catches. He's, he's a red zone guy, and I think that'd be uh, – honestly, I think that's what Ryan Tannehill needs most. I think whether or not we go quarterback, that's a whole different discussion, but Ryan Tannehill, he has those weapons on the outside. He has those backs in the backfield. He now has an offensive line. What this offense is missing is a tight end. And like you said with uh, Godard, I mean, uh, Adam Gase, he's an offensive guru. You kind of think he's a guy that would use a chess piece to his advantage and bringing in any type of tight end, especially a Mike Jacecki, would help wonders in the red zone and all over the field. So for me, uh, any of these tight ends in this year's class would be an upgrade of what we've had. But two of my favorites are definitely Hayden Hurst and, and Mike Jacecki, who is a freak. It's, it's no secret that you are a huge fan of drafting a quarterback in the first round. And as we all know, like me, we, we want Baker Mayfield. We heard something last week. Lean the other way on that. When you look at the priority for the Dolphins, right? You're looking at some say linebacker round one. Some say uh, secondary. Mika Fitzpatrick, for example, or Derwin James. Some say defensive tackle to replace Ndamukong and Sue. We're going to get into all those positions as we move on the next few weeks. You say quarterback, I say quarterback as the first primary target in round one. I think we would both agree that linebacker would be a priority number two, although if Mika Fitzpatrick's there, you can make a case for that. But after those positions, tight end, where would you rank that, Houts, in terms of what the Dolphins need to do in order to secure their tight end? Do they 
Let's say they take that quarterback in round one. Now they still need a linebacker and possibly someone in the secondary. Do they take a tight end in round two? And I know it's all dependent on how the board falls, of course. But hypothetically, let's say we know exactly how it's going to go. And everything lines up the way it needs to line up. And the Dolphins do get someone like Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen in round one. I mean, how can you pass up at that point on a young tight end who you know with your quarterback sitting on the bench year one because Tannehill is getting paid a lot of money and he's going to start until he can't do it anymore, gets hurt again, or finishes the season strong and gets traded next season a la Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes. Do you take that young tight end? And the more I'm talking about it out loud right now, the more I think you do. Let him develop that first year. Then, boom, you put him out on the field with Baker or Josh year two, and you let that offense start thriving. Would you do that, or would you then go to defense round two if you go quarterback round one? Yeah, like you said, it all comes down to how the draft falls. And, I mean, mostly, most importantly, is what Miami might give up to get one of those quarterbacks. I mean – uh, if you're going to assume that Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen's fallen to 11, and then in an ideal situation, I mean, one of these tight ends that we've discussed is there in the second round. I think you absolutely jump. I think that would be a cornerstone for this offense for years to come and would definitely help that quarterback that you did draft in round one. But for me, I mean, you head into this this draft, and we keep talking about how necessary it is to find a tight end. And uh, we named the safety position Amika Fitzpatrick. I mean, if he falls, that would be – an ideal situation for us, in my opinion. We mentioned how we need a quarterback to ensure Ryan Tannehill and then a linebacker for sure. But I think the Dolphins, they need to be pretty happy with Raekwon McMillan coming back. I think they invested a lot in Kiko Alonso. And, I mean, they made that trade for Stefan Anthony. And you've you got those linebackers there that I think they can find to be suitable. And you have two safeties who maybe they're the same breed. But, again, they, they should be suitable. And you kind of hope that they can get that communication down and solidify that back part of the defense. For me, I think now that the offensive line is somewhat solidified, I think tight end heading into this year's draft may be the most important position. I don't think it's something that you can look at it, pick 11. I I don't think there's any tight end that you can take there. But for me, I think this offense and maybe this entire team, tight end is the number one priority heading into this draft. So for me, if you get a Baker Mayfield or even a Josh Rosen, who I think might go ahead, well, who I assume is going to go ahead of, Baker Mayfield, if you get him in round one and then come back in round two and you have a guy like Dallas Godard or Mark Andrews or a Hayden Hurst or, or a Mike Jacecki, I mean, that could be the best player available. And, and you get a guy like that, that will help this offense for years to come. So I would absolutely consider it. Maybe you go after a linebacker if one falls. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, uh, I think tight end might be one of the biggest needs for this team moving forward. All right. So Sutton, how's makes his case for Mike Chesicki, but you're going to make your case for Troy Fumagalli from Wisconsin. So why, if the Dolphins miss out on those top three guys that we talked about, why should they go Fumagalli? First of all, I agree with how it's big picture on the offensive side of the ball. And really you could make the case that tight ends, the most important need on this team right now, or rather the, the biggest hole that we have right now. Uh, we have Marquise Gray and like how it said earlier, Pretty underrated piece. I like what he brings, but I think he's more of a tight end number two, not a true tight end number one. So if we do miss out on these top three guys, um, I like Troy Fumagalli coming out of Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin breeds um, players that are ready for the professional rigors. And by that, I, I think they have a pretty intense program. 
uh, at the college ranks. And, and I think the players that come out of Wisconsin and programs like Iowa uh, seem to have the, the mental side of things down. They're not necessarily the biggest athletes though. And I think Fumagalli also falls under this umbrella. I think he, he plays with a, he's like a veteran almost already in terms of the way he runs routes and he runs, he gets open because he's smart, not necessarily because he's super athletic. Uh, he's not a quick twitch kind of guy. He's not, um, he's not the Jaseki that's going to have a huge catch radius and bring down ridiculous passes. Uh, but what he does do is he just finds a way to make plays. He finds a way to get open. Uh, he's a savvy route runner, like I was saying. And I, I think that he is going to come in and be one of the better blockers out of this class too. So I think him in the mid rounds would be a good roll of the dice because he's one of the few tight ends that could come in immediately and be a dual threat type of guy. I'm not saying that he would score a bunch of touchdowns. I don't think he's a huge red zone guy, but I think he could move the chains for us. I think he would be a willing and able blocker. Uh, and that would, like like I said, having a dual threat tight end, we haven't elaborated on that that much in the show yet, but and, and we've had Randy McMichael on the show before. Having a true dual threat tight end does so much for an offense because – linebackers and the secondary and uh, the front seven, they, they can't key in exactly on what the team is going to do based on formation. When you bring in someone like Jacecki, he's either a decoy or you're passing the ball. Okay. So it kind of can highlight what the play is going to be. When you have a dual threat in there, it makes play diagno- diagnosis a little bit harder on the defense. Cause you're not sure they could do anything out of a certain formation group. So I think bringing a, a guy like Fumagalli in would do things um, from a play-calling standpoint, and I think he would just be a, a, a good piece on special teams as well, uh, if that were the case. Someone that you bring in in maybe the fourth round, uh, maybe high-end fifth round, uh, someone that can uh, make plays on special teams, also bring it on the offensive side of the ball, be a good blocker. Uh, he, he may not have the highest ceiling, but I think he has a pretty high floor. And when you're getting a mid-round tight end, I think that's about the best you can ask for. So for you, Sutton, where would you ideally like to see him come off the board if the Dolphins were to select him? What's too high? What's too low? Now, we have two fourth-round picks this year, if, I, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, so I, I would look maybe the, the second, the latter of those fourth round picks. Um, and, and again, and you've already said it, the bent depends if we make moves, maybe we trade down, accumulate another mid round pick along the way. I, I see his value as a late fourth, early fifth uh, type of player. Okay. Um, so for me, if you're looking at a tight end in the fourth, right? Deion Sims came off around that time. Arthur Lynch, who we talked about, came off in the fifth round. I liked Arthur Lynch coming out of college from Georgia. He just couldn't cut it in the NFL. If you're looking for a dynamite playmaker, and I think Adam Gase is, it's so hard to build a team when you really look at everything that goes into it, right? When you look at all the different holes that you might have and 
and everything else. And then you wonder why that people get fired all the time. It's, it's because it's very hard to, to do what you want to do and get the right guys in there. Yeah, you could spend a fourth on a guy. And of course, we're talking about these guys because we're missing out on those top three that we talked about on the top of the show. And I think I would put Chesiki fourth or Fumagali, but that's a very close four versus three there. Now, for me, my mid-round guy is none other than Chris Herndon from the University of Miami. Many of you who listen to this show are Dolphins fans. Actually, probably all of you are Dolphins fans. So you'd be familiar with this name as you probably heard it thrown around on Twitter quite a few times and everywhere else. When you look at Herndon, NDT scouting ranks him number sixth tight end. He is 6'3", 253 pounds. You heard me at the top of the show talk about Goldert, whose hand diameter was over 10 inches. For comparison, you look at Herndon, his is 9.25 inches, an inch difference. When Herndon is used, the problem with Herndon is this, and, and I like Herndon, which is why I'm talking about him, and he has good grades and good film. But when you look at Adam Gase and all the ways he wants to be creative with his offense, I'm not so sure that Herndon would fit in right away, which again would make him a a nice pick because you can let him develop that first year. And then if you get that QB in the first round, you unleash them year two. But he's a straight line runner. Um, He's ideal in zone coverage. He's not going to consistently win his matchup man on man. He is very good at catching the ball, though, of course. He has soft hands, and he's not going to drop a lot of passes that come his way. Herndon is your typical prototype tight end in terms of what they do on the field. Think maybe Jason Witten, right? Jason Witten's a bowling ball, catches the ball, does his job. Next play. I look at Herndon, you know, kind of similar to that. He's not going to make crazy acrobatic plays like the Kelsey's do like Gronkowski does like Greg Olson does. He's not that kind of guy. He, he's a catch the ball possession tight end who is going to get the job done for you. And when I say get the job done, it reminds me that the dolphins have been doing exactly that all off season and acquiring players who just get the job done. Now Herndon, he is going to catch the ball. Like I said, and in short yardage situations and short field situations, he's going to win. But When you're running uh, down the field and up the field and all over the field, he is going to get caught very quickly. So that's one of his weaknesses. His football intelligence, according to NDT scouting, he needs to learn. He needs to develop. NDT scouting projects him to be picked in the fourth round. So, you know, as I just said, I'm not a huge fan of drafting a tight end in the fourth round, but the way the board falls. And if the Dolphins feel like they have a tight end here who they can properly develop and who does things the right way, then Herndon could be a possible good pick for them. Injuries, not a ton. Doesn't have a a rap sheet of, of injuries that have come up and down. Last year, according to Pro Football Focus, his 2017 grade was 81.8. NDT scouting ranks him as number six tight end. PFF ranks him as the 11th. So a few different things that we have going on there. He's consistent, though. And Amendola, Danny Amendola, the receiver Dolphins sign, is consistent. 
Albert Wilson described as someone who's consistent. The Dolphins just jettisoned a ton of guys who were not consistent. Herndon is consistent. So with all that taken into account, guys, right? And if we listen to each other talk, we all had our picks coming in, and we can certainly change our minds right now. So for you, Houts, we talked about, let's talk about the top three. Actually, let's throw Mike Jazicki into the mix, too. Let's talk about these top four. Who's your number one guy, Houts, after we talked about everybody? After we talked and considering what round they may be drafted in, uh, for me, I think Jacecki, he just can't block as, as far as some of these other guys. And, oh, man, I think Hayden Hurst is too old. Mark Andrews, I really, really like his game. But for me, I think Dallas Godard, I think he's a perfect all-around player. I think he's going to be taken somewhere in that second. I mean, he's going to be taken early second round. So, uh, for me, I think he would come in. He'd have the biggest impact. And I think Adam Gase could get a lot out of him. So, if it's either him or Mark Andrews for me. But after that, I mean, I, I think this team, I think we can all agree this team needs a tight end. So, for me, I'm going with one of those guys. Jacecki, love him as a receiver, but I just don't think he can block. So, my thoughts are... Okay, and I'll admit that Godard is a tough read for me just because when you look at some of his tape, it really is a a man amongst boys type of stuff. Like you said, like the first thing you see is him trucking two dudes. So some of the tape is unbelievable. But Billy Turner also had unbelievable tape. So I I guess it's, it's hard for me to reconcile the D2 competition thing. And I, I don't think that's fair to him because I, I think that he is very athletic. You just – there's not a – I don't see a ton of D2 guys producing skill position players. So I, I guess I'm just – there's enough question marks for Godert for me. And part of the draft and part of navigating the draft is minimizing risk where you can. That's too much – risk for me as a decision maker obviously other decision makers would have a different sense of risk uh, it's too much for me so i'm going to lean towards mark andrews as the uh out of the top three but i think Giuseppe for for what he does lack in blocking house and i and i know that you uh, get to watch some penn state games being there in pennsylvania but i got to watch him play a couple times and he's he's Wow, he had some elite plays, and he has some special jump ball skills that just can't be taught. And like I said earlier in the show, I think the red zone offense could, as we are talking right now as of this recording, could be a problem considering that it might be hard to manufacture touchdowns when we get down there. Having someone like Mike Jacecki, yeah, he would be a true specialist, just a niche player. He wouldn't bring an ounce of anything worth of blocking. However, it, he could be a Tyler Eifert because Tyler Eifert seems like 75% of his catches are touchdowns. So maybe that's Mike Jacecki's role in the Dolphins offense. So he's the kind of mid-round guy that I would be looking at for the Dolphins offense. And I'm going to stick with Goder as my top tight end. I think he is the total package. The more I, I look at him and the more I talk about him on, on this podcast, the more and more I think he won't be around for Miami in round two. 
just because I do think there's going to be a team in front of them that thinks he is that missing piece to their offensive puzzle. You know, as I talked about Herndon and listened to you guys talk about Jaziki and Fumagalli, and this is assuming, of course, that Hurst and Andrews and Golder are all off the board, and we're looking at those three as the remaining options for Miami in whatever round it may be, hypothetically, of course. Obviously, there's other guys. There's Jalen Samuels from North Carolina State. There's Tyler Conklin from Central Michigan. There is Durham Smythe from Notre Dame. There's Jordan Akins from Central Florida. There's Will Disley from Washington. Deion Yelder from Western Kentucky. There's a slew of guys. And these six guys we're talking about this week on Finsider Radio might not be the the Dolphins pick. And when they do pick, their guy will obviously have a big recap on that. But when you look at those three options in, in a vacuum there, Fumagalli, Jaziki, and Herndon, you know, I think I'm going to switch my pick here. I think I'm going to go with Jaziki from, from Penn State because I think he can be a nice piece in Gase's offense who can do the kind of things that Gase wants to do with a tight end. All right. Anything else, boys, to add on any of our tight ends that we talked about? I just want to throw in there, I mean, for what Jaseki lacks at blocking, I mean, you can bring in a guy like Anthony Vassano, who I think the Dolphins are still in contact with. I, I know he's contemplating retirement, might might not come back, but, I mean, he's one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. So, I mean, you guys have all touched on I've touched on Jaseki. He's one hell of a target. Uh, he would do wonders for this offense. And where he lacks in blocking, a guy like Marquise Gray or – Anthony Vassano, who's one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL, could definitely help out with. All right, Sutton, anything else to add? I think we're going to be in a precarious situation if we're looking at investing in tight end fourth rounder later this year. As as the roster's presently constructed, I don't think we have enough pieces there. I think we need to get something early. So I'm looking at the top three guys, maybe even Jacecki in the top three rounds somewhere in there. Um, I look for us to add tight end early. All right. Anything from the Finsider Rail mailbag? We ha- we were asked a question about Tannehill's injury and him getting brought in. Uh, would they be limiting him in practice? Have you heard anything on that front, MC Money? The latest we heard from Adam Gase at the owners' meetings, and we will touch on that in the coming weeks. That is obviously all good information that he revealed out there, and we will touch on that next week as we move away from the draft a little bit in terms of leading up and so forth. But he did say Ryan Tannehill will be ready to go full uh, steam ahead. OTAs, he'll be on the field participating in all the drills. All right, so that is basically going to do it this week on Finsider Radio. Again, those are our six guys. Those are the six guys that we all picked here, us three. Of course, like I said, there are others, and I rattled them off before. But in terms of what we like to see, those are our picks. Do your own research, watch the tape, read the scouting reports, go on and purchase these draft guides. We're going to have a few of these authors on our show in the coming weeks to talk about their draft guides. They put in a ton of work watching film, going to the Senior Bowl, to the Combine, to Mobile, Alabama, for the Shrine Games and everything else. And then they sell their guides at 10 15 20 bucks a pop. And they rely on volume, of course, because there are so many out there, but there's not all good quality. And we're going to bring on guys like Kyle Krabs. And we're going to bring guys on like Eric Galco from Optimum Scouting. We're going to talk to them and how they construct their draft guides and, and what it, this means to them because this is their life work. 
and how they're trying to use it to get into the NFL perhaps someday or start their own independent scouting service that agents and NFL teams could possibly use one day. So do go out and support them. I know we do. We buy about four to five guys each year between the three of us. And we give our money to these guys because they do a lot of great work and it helps us with our research and so forth. So last week we talked about linebackers. This week we talked about tight ends. Next week we're going to tackle the secondary. And we're not going to break it down by cornerback and safeties. We're going to just lump it all in together. And if you're a cornerback or a safety, you're going to be in our discussion. I know we're going to be talking about Mika Fitzpatrick, Derwin James. We're also going to talk about other guys who may be in the mix for Miami and who may be comparable to these guys in terms of Obviously not at their level, but not a huge drop-off either. So we hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you enjoyed the discussion on tight ends. It is a glaring need for the Miami Dolphins in the upcoming draft. It is going to be no secret they're going to be targeting one. How the board falls, we'll see, and that's really all it's going to come down to. But we have one month away before the NFL draft begins, before the first round begins. There's going to be a lot of smoke coming out before that and leading up to it and during it. But we'll have you covered here on Finsider Radio over the next few weeks. And until next time, I am MC Money, joined, of course, by Houts, MD, and Sir in the Creeper Soccer Dad. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time. like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh. 
now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.